Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. Time now for the Danny Mac Show with BK, getting you inside the cards and St. Louis sports on 101 ESPN. with a shot. He scores! Justin Falk gets the puck on the near side. He beats it inside the far post. Dick side on Ottinger. Into the goal line. They center. Tarasenko right there. They score! Ryan O'Reilly poked it to the net and it goes off the skate of a Dallas star and in. In the middle. They bring it to Tarasenko. He scores! Ninth of the year for Vladimir Tarasenko. Sent behind the net and there it is. Horn sounds, and you can bring out the Zamboni. The Blues have defeated the Dallas Stars by a score of 4-1, to one, and they have earned points in six straight games. Who are these guys? How is this happening? The St. Louis Blues continue to win without some of their top players in the lineup, whether it be for upper body injuries, lower body injuries, COVID, illness, whatever the case may be. But the guys from Springfield are stepping up. They beat the Stars last night 4-1. to one. It's the Danny Mac Show on a Wednesday. We're going to visit with uh, Brian Walton coming up. Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com. Baseball America just came out with their top 10 prospects of each organization. There was also the Minor League Rule 5 draft, so we're going to get into that. Uh, on the crossover, it'll be Mark Saxon. Now, Mark Saxon has made his ballot known publicly. Tanner, you're starting to smile. His Hall of Fame ballot is out there. Yeah. Um, Got some reaction. He did get some reaction. So he put that out there on um, social media. And I want to get into, uh, and I guess he's going to be filling in, right, with you for yep. the for the three hours afterwards. Uh, Alex is going to be out today. We know that BK and the ever-lasting uh, Got more pictures of the nuptials. beach yesterday. Yes, it's the wedding that never ends. We'll uh, um, be out today. He's going to be out next week, too, I guess, leading into Christmas or part of it. He'll be so. out Monday next week. He'll be back Tuesday. Thank so you. So under a week away from a BK return. Under a week if wanna, away. If you want to mark your calendar. And all. then we'll be BKO'd. Yes. Um, <laughs> so BK, get on the beach and enjoy yourself. Um, so I want to get into that with Mark Saxon. But let's start with the Blues because six guys up from Springfield. See if I get this right. Brown, Pekka. Joshua Walker, the the Russian kid, is up. Uh, Lindgren obviously is playing. Lindgren is playing goal. So the Blues now in their last ten games are six one and three. That's fifteen points out of a possible twenty. That's hard to imagine with the schedule they have played, which included the Florida teams, which both are very good. And to sit there and say that you're going to get a possible fifteen out of twenty with these guys, it tells you a little bit about the depth. And I'll go back to this, though, Tanner. It goes back to people that are desperate, kids that are desperate to stay and make a name for himself and maybe a reevaluation of the organization of said player, too. You know, you, you look at a guy in training camp or you watch how he's playing in Springfield. It's just different when you get to the NHL. I, I mean, I, I love what I'm seeing out of Nathan Walker. I know I've seen him before, but watching him play now, it's kind of a different player than the guy I saw called up last year. And also it was a COVID year. There was nobody in the stands. It was different. But I love what I'm seeing out of Brown. He's a different skater. 
I mean, he he's moving. He's in scoring situations, and he's a big kid. He's a presence. I love what I'm seeing there. It is bought you time with your goaltenders. I mean, you don't feel like, okay, Jordan Bennington's off the COVID list. Throw him in there right now. Not that you would have anyway, but now you feel, you know what, Jordan, take your time. And, and by the way, that is his job. At least it would be for me. I would say that's your job. But I don't feel as an organization a sense of urgency to bring him back right now. I'm with you. I mean, look at Lindgren's numbers. He's 4-0 with a 1.42 goals against and a 9.56 save percentage yeah. in four games. That's incredible. I would have never thought we would see that out of Charlie Lindgren, a guy that had been in the Montreal system and then had been kind of floating around the American Hockey League. He's come up and he's made a difference for the Blues team. But and the thing is, too, if you're the Blues, I mean, do you do you sit there and go, well, we got to get Bennington in, the, in there. No. We, we got to get Huso back. We got to push him. No. Just take your time. Get right take the time to rest up i mean that's the other thing is a byproduct of this that not that you're saying that you want it but you're getting guys rest too now jordan uh i would say this now justin fall came right off the uh the he covid list and it looked pretty darn good um he said he basically didn't have any symptoms it was a little rest and all of a sudden boom and he shot out of there like a cannon man he looked awesome last night and i thought bernie federico made a good point on the valley sports midwest post game last night he said you know he took this time and if he wasn't feeling any symptoms i, I think the rest benefited him exactly. it, it looked like he's now refreshed not saying he was exactly tired but maybe he was a little nicked up maybe feeling a little bit of fatigue he gets a couple of weeks off he comes back last night i thought was one of his best games on the year and that's coming off the covid list missing the last week and a half or so what'd you think of the young russian pretty i thought torbchenko was pretty good pretty good i, think I he like got him eight minutes had a couple of hits he was noticeable and that's yeah that's what i wasn't really expecting and i think he almost had an assist at one point i think he got a puck to maybe joshua who got yeah. a shot on goal so yeah i thought he looked really good add to the springfield express here's the thing too when you when you know the nba has done this and i wonder if the nhl is going to learn from doing this or do you do you want to do it it's it's such a physical hard game and i know they're hockey players and i know they don't sit out but doing the maintenance night oh don't oh don't bring that up i know I, i'm uh. just i'm just throwing it out. hey we're in talk radio baby we can do what we want but the maintenance night of seeing some guys that come back and all of a sudden they've got jump Hell, you do it before when you make the playoffs and you know where you're going to be. You sit, guys. You scratch them. They're healthy scratches. Now, I know you have to – but if you have the kind of depth that they're showing right now, I don't know. Something might be – maybe that you think about. I don't know. Maybe. Would I want to do it? Do I want to see it? No. Because if I buy a ticket – I don't want to see it. I want to watch Falk. Falk's one of my favorite players. I love him. I think he's been great after that first year. Um, but, you know, that's something that I, I do wonder, though – if you think about, because clearly some of these guys that have that not had the the hard symptoms of COVID have come back and they shoot out of there like a cannon. They come yeah. out, and it's like a day and a, a week and a half, and they're like, "Okay, I'm ready to roll." Krug and Falk that way. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, anyway, you you mentioned the physical side of it. I was, I, I don't know if I was surprised, but I was glad to see the physicality from the Blues in that game. Last well, they night. had to right away. They out hit them thirteen to four in the first and twenty five seventeen on the night. How about I, the first five minutes that. of that game? Oh, that was crazy. Guys are getting run over. They're getting run I, into the boards. I Goalies are getting Alex. run into. It was I, awesome. I texted Alex last night. I was like, "What is going on in this game?" I said, "I haven't seen this all year. We got guys going flying into the boards. We got the goalies getting knocked over. We got some pushing and shoving." Yeah, I like it. That's my kind of hockey. So did uh, Craig Barubi. Is uh, hey his team again? 
again, it's worth repeating. Six, one, and three in their last ten. That's 15 points out of a possible 20. Yeah, like, uh, you know, a lot of times you just, when you simplify it, dumb it down and play a hard, straightforward game, you have success. Really, it's a... It's not a complicated game, hockey. It's a simple game. And when you play a simple game of hockey, you give yourself a chance to win, in my opinion. You know, limit things, limit turnovers, play direct, make it hard on the other team. And that's what we're doing right now. And we're getting real good goaltending and we're getting real good team play. So you know, that's... Real, good, real good mindset right now within a team about what needs to be done. Shift in, shift out. And... Uh, Guys are doing a great job of putting the team first right now. Uh, again, playing a real good team game. Now can I talk, Craig? Thanks. Um, that's on the, That was my fault, T-Bone. That's on me. You didn't even give me the, the warning yet. Don't poke, don't poke the bear. Yeah, you're right. So that's when you win and you, uh, you know, have a depleted roster and you go on the road and, and not only win, but you win by three goals. And then you're the home team and their head coach. I guess it's a little mixed because we were, we hung right in there till the third. You know, when you get one goal and it's from Riley Damiani's first NHL game, that's incredibly disappointing in a big game like that. We had some guys that I'll have to check the video tomorrow to see if they even played. I couldn't find them on the ice. So unless you're going to want to show up and uh, get your nose dirty and get involved in a game like that and you're a complete non-factor and we had a few of those guys that were complete no-shows and we have no chance if we have guys that don't want to show up and play in those games ouch babe so the blues and stars pregame at six friday i would get my seat by the time they drop the puck and buckle up because when you hear your head coach do that imagine what their practice is like today imagine what the practice is like tomorrow and then the point of emphasis is you better get after it on Friday night. It's the same team out there that you're facing. You just got beat on home ice. Buckle up. Friday night's going to be fun. I expect the stars to come out and kind of show that physicality oh. that the Blues did. They're going to be out there hitting. I wonder you if may we'll have see, a fight in the first couple say, minutes. I wonder if we'll see someone drop the gloves, see if the stars try to set the tone early. Absolutely. Now, another story developing is Charlie Lindgren. Again, as Tanner mentioned, he was awesome last night. Stopped 33 of 34, 142 goals against average. And you know what? I get a kick out of his post-game interviews, pre-game interviews. I mean, the guy is just flat out having some fun. It's, it's really fun right now. Um, you know, team's playing well. We've got a great group of guys. And, um, you know, winning always makes everything a blast. So it's a lot of fun. And sometimes you just need a chance because, you know, you get to a point in your career and you're like, you know what? I've done everything. I've, I've tried to get to this level. Maybe I've been overlooked. I'm starting to age. They don't believe in me. Oh, all of a sudden this thing COVID hits and guys go down and I get a shot. Well, I'm trying to show you that I can do this. You know, I know I can play. That's uh, and that's that's the main thing. Um, I know I can play at this level. Um, and, you know, that's uh, that's that feels good. So, um, like I said, it's uh St. Louis, the fans, uh, the guys in the room, the coaching staff, um, it's all amazing. So now let's talk about the guys in front of them. You got the return of Justin Falk. Now, remember when O'Reilly came back? He he just looked a little little sluggish, kind of a step behind, and was maybe affected by COVID. Well, then there's Justin Falk, and... uh, (laughs) 
let's say uh, the coaching staff was like, okay, you're back, you're in there. He played 22-55, had a goal, uh, was plus one, couple of hits, a uh, couple of shots, and uh, looked like he hadn't missed a beat. Yeah, it was a good game by, uh, by the boys. Uh, they made it uh, easy for me to come in to a team that's playing well and, and uh, playing hard, and you know it makes it a lot easier for, for myself and Bozy to, to come back in the lineup and, and just kind of slide in uh, seamlessly when the team's playing well. Didn't miss a beat, did he? No, he was awesome last night. Yeah, he was all over the ice. I think they. I think he said post game. I didn't really pick up on it at the time, but most of his draws were in the offensive end of the zone or yeah. offensive zone. And then he got a couple where he had to skate back. But otherwise, I mean, he was incredible getting pucks on net, hitting, wasn't afraid to throw the body around. I got to say, I was not expecting that from Justin Falk in his first game. I expected him to be a little sluggish. I, I'm curious about the the listeners, the texters. If you text in right now. Are you having more fun watching this team than you have had in a while? And I just say that because it's new faces. The expectations, at least for me, aren't very high when you have some of your best players that are out. Um, And I'm enjoying it. Uh, Seeing Lindgren do what he's doing. Now, part of it is his personality. I like it, and it's fun. But, you know, you're missing Justin Falk. You missed O'Reilly. Shen has been out. Uh, You know, your, your top guys have been missing. Uh, Krug was out for a while and all of a sudden they're still finding ways to win and doing it on the road. I, I just, I'm finding this team likable. Some teams you. win and they, they're just like, yeah, okay, it's business as usual. This team's, boring. Yeah, this team's likable, man. Yeah. Fun. They got the offense. They got great scoring depth. You got some of the guys that we've already had, like Vladimir Tarasenko back to himself. Yeah. But then you've got the young guys that you're talking about that provide that spark, that Springfield Express that have come up. It almost feels like when the Cardinals got that jolt of energy when Lars Newpark came up. Sure. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know how I would rank this team. This is probably the most fun I've had since the Stanley Cup run, though. That's I what I mean. Say. Yeah. I mean, you had the COVID year, and that was just kind of like, yeah, let's just get the games in. Yeah. The atmosphere was different. But this team has been a lot of fun to watch. You mentioned Lars Newpar. We're going to talk about Lars coming up. We're going to visit with uh, Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com and go over the uh, – Baseball America just came out with their top 10 Cardinal prospects and also the Rule 5 minor league draft uh, did t- uh, take place. There's a St. Cl- uh, St. Louis kid involved with that coming to the Cardinals, so uh, we'll talk about that. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. fun to visit with Brian Walton of thecardinalnation.com as we do this every week. And uh, Brian, happy holidays to you and your family. How are things going? Uh, same to you, Dan, and to all the regular listeners out there. In terms of, and we're, there's a lot of baseball news, which people wouldn't maybe realize, but uh, in terms of the minor leagues, kind of business as usual right now, isn't it? Yeah, we're even seeing a few signings now and then of teams signing uh, guys to minor league contracts now and then even with a spring training invite. So, you know, even though the major league business is out, the minor leagues are still proceeding as planned. Let's talk, too, about uh, Mike Schilt going to work for Major League Baseball. Uh, As we both know, saw him at the major league level and the minor league level, great baseball mind, and it seems to probably be a pretty good fit. Not only a great baseball mind, but a a very level-headed individual as well, very practical, good thinker. And if you think about Mike Schilt, even when, you know, things didn't go well necessarily uh, for the Cardinals with the umpires. He was always professional in his approach and 
he's going to be working for the on-field operations department in uh, in Major League Baseball, and they're most known for meeting out discipline and uh, you know keeping tabs on the umpiring. And it's not that unusual for a former manager to do that. I mean, uh, a lot of former managers have gone to work for Major League, but Joe Torre's one, for example, who also did some time broadcasting. Um, so, you know, it's obviously it's a placeholder job. It's a job where he gets a little more experience and exposure. But I think, you know, what's in Mike Schilt's blood is to is to work with players. And, you know, this may be a one year, two year at most type of thing I would expect before he gets a job. The part of the challenge for him this winter, Mike Schilt speaking, is that by the time he became available, there were only maybe a hand, there were only just a handful of manager jobs left, San Diego, Oakland, the Mets. I'm not sure there were many others. So even though he got an opportunity to interview for at least one of those, if not multiples, you know, the fit may not have been right for them or him. But again, I think, I don't think Mike Schultz days at 53 years old and managing in the major leagues are, are behind him. In terms of the uh, rule five draft that did happen with minor league baseball, what happened with the Cardinals in, in terms of what they lost and what they picked up? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's an interesting situation, Dan. This is the first time, at least in my memory, that the rule five draft has been broken into two pieces and the major league phase of the Rule 5 draft is the one that you know tends to get the most interest and attention because those players uh, join, the players that are selected join a major league roster, and so they're guys who can contribute immediately. Whereas the minor league phase, they're typically guys who are lower in the system, maybe more depth guys than guys that are ready to come up to the major leagues and contribute, although uh, the Cardinals in the minor league phase of Rule 5 draft picked up John Brebia in 2015, and he went on to pitch for the Cardinals for you know good part of three seasons so it's not impossible but um you know the Cardinals have at least since I've been tracking this for 20 years the Cardinals have never lost a player in the minor league phase of the rule five draft that went on to be a significant contributor in the majors I thought it was interesting baseball America came out with their top 10 prospect rankings and maybe you can give a little insight into some of these players and and who they are and when they may contribute. So I'll start from 10, go to 1, and Mr. Burleson is number 10 as he cracks the top 10 for uh, Baseball America. Yeah, Alec Burleson is an interesting case. Uh, he's an outfielder who was drafted from East Carolina uh, in 2019. First full season, moved up very quickly from high A to double A, played very well at double A, got to Memphis, didn't play as well. Baseball America has him at 10, Alec Burleson. Baseball Prospectus, who came out before, put Burleson as high as number four. And I think that's too aggressive because Burleson did not hit all that well in Memphis. And the question on him is, he's a guy who does everything well, but really needs to have uh, the power really emerge to be a good corner outfielder. He's, he's not going to be a center fielder in the major. So, you know, the question is, can he show that power necessary uh you know, maybe not at Tyler O'Neill's level, but certainly you want to have a starting outfielder, corner outfielder, and majors have more power. And Alec Burleson uh, still needs to show that. How about uh, Juan Yepes? Everybody's been talking about him, and he checks in at number nine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any player in the in the Cardinals system not only had a better year than than Juan in 2021, but also moved up the prospect rankings. He had kind of stalled at 20, you know, back to 2019 at high A. At a really a ball, he spent I think three years, four years in a ball. Got his first shot at double A. Didn't really do much in 2019, but rededicated himself to his preparation for the game. And when he came back in 2021, he was like a house of fire. Dominated 
double A, dominated triple A, dominated the Arizona Fall League, was named a co-hitter of the of the year in the in the, in the Fall Prospect League. And as folks remember, he was added to the roster for the wild card game. Didn't play, but Juan Yepes is a, is a hitter. There's no doubt about it. He can hit at the major league level. Uh, he's not a great defender. He was initially a third baseman. He can play first. He's you know dabbled in the corner outfield positions, but he's not good and strong enough defensively probably to be a major league starter at any of those positions. But with the designated hitter coming, you know a guy like Juan Yepes is a guy who could really you know help the Cardinals out in 2022. Brian Walden of the uh, Cardinal Nation is our guest. Mason Wynn's an interesting guy, and I gotta wonder if more teams are going to open up their eyes or give players an opportunity to be two-way players, position players, pitchers, as we saw uh, with the Angels. But that's a different circumstance, potentially, um, at the MVP. But, uh, you know, what do you think? Where, where's the future right now with uh, with Wynn? Well, Mason Wynn's only 19 years old, and this was his first season as a professional player. And he was at the, you know, the alternate camp in Springfield uh, in 2020, but that was, you know, practice, really. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't game action. And the Cardinals kept win at shortstop almost all season. He only pitched very, very briefly this year. And he hit well, better in low A, but when he moved up to high A, he, he started with a bat. But he's, you know, exceptionally good at uh, stealing bases. Very good, uh, you know, on the bases. Uh, extremely strong arm, of course, for shortstop. Might have the strongest arm in the system. So the question is going to be, you know, will the Cardinals have win pitch more in the future, which could slow him down overall. Um, or will they continue to keep him at shortstop where defensively he's strong, but offensively, you know, he's got some more work to do, but he's such a good athlete. Um, you know, it's great to have a guy like that in your system. One of the top prospects the Cardinals have was a recent draft choice, Josh Baez, and he is at, uh, what, number eight? Yeah, Josh Baez seven. was... Uh, uh, actually, seven, I believe. Seven, yeah, yep, seven. Uh, he was a second rounder the Cardinals took. Uh, out of the Northeast, and so, you know, you wonder, again, a cold-weather player from Massachusetts, what's he going to look like? Uh, physically, uh, very impressive. I, I saw him, I interviewed him in the uh, Florida Complex League this summer. Impressive physically, very raw athletically, though. So he's got, you know, he's he's a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. Uh, he was talking about, you know, getting to the majors in two or three years. The reality is, in you know, in, in rookie ball, he hit 158. So, you know, he's got some learning to do, but... Uh, very talented guy. He's still playing. He's playing center right now. Although I think he'll be. He's a bigger guy. I think he'll end up being a, a corner outfielder again. A very good, strong arm. So a guy that we're, you know we're going to want to watch, but certainly is you know probably four years away from the majors. Well, we saw one guy make an impact in the major leagues, and that was Lars Newtbar. But he's still listed as a prospect by Baseball America at number six. Yeah, Lars Newtbar. Um, again, as a guy who really burst onto the scene this last year, I think a year ago, you know, Lars Newpar, there was questions about where he fit in the outfield pecking order, and there were so many guys ahead of him, you know. Uh, um, so, but he had such a good season, both between Double AA, A, Triple A, especially Triple A, and you know, he was kind of a guy in line when the when the Williamses and the Austin Deans and uh, the Lane Thomases, you know, they all kind of flamed out. Didn't you know, they all had their chance and they didn't do it. When Newpar got brought up, he showed an ability to play all three outfield positions very, very well, get key hits. And he went down to the Arizona Fall League and, and played very, very well. He uh, led off every day, 
uh, and uh, you know played a court, played right field every day and looked really good down there. And he's really solidified that fourth outfield spot, which is of course a guy who could become an everyday player with an injury. So you know Lars Newbar has really really improved his stock. Yeah, he's still a prospect because he hasn't had the necessary number of plate appearances in the majors, but he'll drop off prospect list, you know, once the season gets going. I'm 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 just fascinated with Yvonne Herrera, the catcher that uh we may see next year in the big leagues at some point, but uh he is listed as the fifth best prospect right now by Baseball America for St. Louis. Yeah, and I think Herrera's at you know right around the right place. He um improved his hitting as the season went on in twenty twenty one. He was at double A at 21 years old, you know, extremely young for his age at every level of the system. Uh, he's going to be at AAA this next year, I'm sure, probably with Ali Sanchez, who is a, a, a very good defensive catcher, uh, who's also, you know, can hit a little bit, has come up to St. Louis, to St. Louis a few times. And defensively is where Yvonne Herrera needs to continue to grow, but he's the guy who is, you know, the heir apparent for Yadier Molina right now. And not that Andrew Kisner won't, you know, necessarily stay around, but I think the feeling is that with a good year at Memphis in 2022, you know, we could see Herrera in the major league, major leagues even later. Michael, uh, coming season. Yeah, Michael McGreevy was the the top pick by the Cardinals, an absolute strike thrower in college. He's already listed as the fourth best prospect. What what is his timetable? You think uh, as he tries to to climb through the uh, the minor leagues and get it to uh, Major League Baseball? Well, McGreevy's known for his curveball. And, and he's a control pitcher. So, you know, he's, he's a guy who's, you know, should be able to move up through the system fairly quickly. In this first year, it's kind of hard to tell anything. He pitched, you know, one inning at a time and really didn't dominate, but that doesn't, you know, doesn't mean much of anything. I think here McGreevy is being looked at as a guy with, you know, tremendous potential. I think four is a little aggressive right now, but, you know, if he, if he lives up to the potential he's got a year from now, you know, we'll be talking about him like we do Matthew Libertor today. Interesting. And Libertor, you lead right into it. Curveball, number three. And uh, his timetable seems to be rather shorter than, than longer. Yep. Matthew Libertor again, you know, nice fastball, but, uh, you know, change up is his, is his bread and butter. Uh, he's continuing, you know, he had a, had a had, I think he led the season, if led the system, excuse me, in innings pitch this year. Took the ball every fifth day for Memphis except for the brief time he was away, you know, working, uh, you know, doing the Olympic qualifying thing. But Libertor, you know, showed his durability. He showed he was able to make that jump over double A last year. And, you know, his timing, he won't make St. Louis out of spring camp, you know, short of a, you know, a disaster to other pitchers or something. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if the Cardinals use him like they did, uh, say, Dakota Hudson, Carlos Martinez before him, which is put him in the bullpen because, you know, when he's ready, there's not a starting spot necessarily in the rotation, but he's such a good player. You want him with, you know, among your best 26 or whether they do something, um, you know, like they've done in the past before, which is keep him in Memphis and, you know, bring him up mid season. And Marco Gonzalez was a guy who I recall that, you know, they, they let him, you know, pitch for a second season at triple a, but then when the opening came, he was sort of a de facto six starter. But the point is Matty Libertor really, you know, checked off all his boxes last year, continued to improve as the season went on. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, odds are very, very high. We'll see him in St. Louis this, this next season. How about Nolan Gorman? Would you anticipate him being with the big club at some point this upcoming year? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The only question is going to be when, and I, you know, I, I was thinking, I, I don't remember if I mentioned this to you, Dan, but I'd love to hear if, if Gorman Libertor, who of course, you know, live in, live in the Phoenix area and been friends for years, if they have a little bet between them, which one's going to reach a major league yeah, sooner. For sure. Uh, you know, they're both on the fast track. Um, 
But I think, you know, Gorman, Gorman has shown that he's ready defensively. Uh, he made a lot of progress at second base. Unfortunately, he got hurt in the fall league early on. But when he did, when he was able to play, he played very, very well. And it's just going to be a matter of how the other players in the infield, you know, work out. I don't think it would be crazy for him to spend another month, two months down in AAA. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he made the club. The Cardinals, you know, by letting guys like Jose Rondon go, um, you know, they've created a little more opportunity for a reserve to come in, whether that be in a Donovan or maybe even Nolan Gorman to make the team out of uh, spring training. So Gorman is two and Jordan Walker Still a teenager, Brian, and he is the number one prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals, according to Baseball America. Yeah, and, you know, there again, just like we talked about with Mason Wynn, this was Jordan Walker's first season. Of course, he was a first-rounder in, in 2019, and uh, he played exceptionally well at low A, Palm Beach, uh, mastered that league very, very quickly, then moved up to Peoria and played exceptionally well there as well. Uh, he's a little bit strong on his splits, leaning toward the left side, so he needs to do a little better against right-handed pitching. But we're talking about a young man who hit for power, hit for average, uh, drove in runs, could steal bases, uh, had a good eye at the plate, drew walks. And again, as you said, he's still a teenager, and he's doing that at high eight ball in his first full season as a professional. So, you know, I think, I personally, I don't think I'm ready to say that Jordan Walker today is a better prospect than Nolan Gorman, but I think that could change in a hurry. And I think, you know, both those guys are going to have a, a good major league career ahead of them. So you evaluate uh, minor league systems, and in particular with the Cardinals at thecardinalnation.com. Brian Walton is my guest. How good is this group that we're talking about here? Where would you put you know this group compared to some other years that the Cardinals have? Yeah, it's interesting. The I'm not you know I have to admit, Dan, I don't know the other 29 systems as well as I know the Cardinals, so it's it's hard to make that call. But I will say that the Cardinal system traditionally and in recent years has been around the mid pack of Major League Baseball. And, but if you look at these top guys, um, you know, the top 10, 12 guys in the Cardinal system are really, really good. Now, there's a drop-off from there and a lot of question marks. But if you think, you know, what's the real purpose of the minor leagues? The real purpose of minor leagues is to get major league-ready players. And, you know, they've got a number of guys, especially on the hitting side, who are, you know, who are ready to contribute. Yepes, Newtbar, Gorman. You know, these are guys that, that you know, they're going to, have a, maybe Burleson. These are guys are going to have an impact with St. Louis in 2022. And, you know, it's great to have those kind of guys in the pipeline. Right now, Libertor is the only, you know, really stand out. We, we'd love to see Zach Thompson continue to, continue to progress, but he's going to need more time. So, you know, on the pitching side, the Cardinals are a little further behind, but, uh, you know, they, they spent a lot of focus uh, both internationally and in the draft in 2021 to try to, you know, shore up their pitching. So, the other guys that were drafted after McGreevy are also going to be, it's going to be a really, really compelling um, and interesting discussion to, to uh, interesting debate uh, this spring as the Cardinals try to decide, you know, who are going to be their starting pitchers in, in class A ball. Cause they've got probably a dozen guys that have, you know, legitimate shots to start. And you know, granted they're in a ball. So they're a couple of years away from St. Louis, but I think, you know, once they kind of get past that gap, it looks like the pitching pipeline will start to flow better again. You're always busy every day, 365 days a year, covering the uh, the minor leagues for the Cardinals. What are you working on right now? Well, we continue to report on the, the Cardinals players who are playing in winter ball, uh, hitters and pitchers alike. And then, of course, our top 50 prospect list is coming out. And, you know, we're not as far as getting to the top 10 yet, but that'll happen, uh, you know, down the road in a month or so as we continue to roll out, uh, you know, a new prospect every day. Do you agree with the uh, Baseball America top 10? 
you know, I don't have a problem with their top ten. Like I said, I think I'm, I'm not sure about Walker versus Gorman yet. I think McGreevy's a little aggressive this early. But other than that, you know, I don't have a lot of complaints. I, you know, and it, it's really good, Dan, I think, to get multiple opinions about prospects because there's no right or wrong answer. There's just different perspectives, different opinions. And so, you know, I always, I look at baseball perspectives. I look at baseball America. I look at MLB pipeline and, you know, I try to learn from that and say, Hey, why do they see, you know, this player may be different than me. Yeah, absolutely. Good way to look at it. Brian, thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch you up next week. Take care, Dan. All right. That's Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com, and his site does a great job covering the uh, Cardinal minor league system. Coming up, we're going to visit and cross it over with Mark Saxon. He'll be with Chris Kerber for three hours with Tanner and company. It's not BK and Ferrario. That show is Tanner and company. Tanner, you better get it right. Tanner and company. I got it. That sounds like a 70s like sitcom of some kind, doesn't it? Cut his mic. He's not on yet. That's Saxy. You're you're jumping the gun, (laughs) baby. It's not the crossover yet. No problem. He did cut your mic. I love it. Saxy's coming up. We're going to talk about his Hall of Fame ballot, which I'm I'm uh, curious about because you have a uh, pretty big omission on there that uh, I think you might be getting a little heat on Twitter about. Am I allowed to talk? Yeah, now you, oh, it's Scott okay. Rowland. So we'll, we'll get into that, though. But I think it's interesting what, uh, what it looks like. Yeah, so. let's get at it. Okay. Can't get enough cards talk? You've come to the right place. Back to more of the Danny Mac Show with BK on 101 ESPN. Crossover, Mark Saxon coming up with Chris Kerber and Tanner for three hours after this show. Mark Saxon tweeted last night. He's in studio here. Here is my Hall of Fame ballot. Be nice, everybody, uh, which I liked. <laughs> which did not end up happening. I didn't, I didn't pick up on it at first, Saxy. <laughs> he fooled me. I was like, why is he saying it would be nice? Oh, I yeah, like you it. Thought it. You thought it would just yeah. skate through. Yeah, I was like, oh, it's fine. There's nothing wrong there. Okay, so here, here's your uh, choices. Barry Bonds. And how many do you get? You get uh, pick ten. a 10, right? You can right? pick a total of 10. You're okay. limited to 10. Barry Don't Bonds, have to pick 10, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Andrew Jones, Jeff Kent, David Ortiz, Manny Ramirez, A. Rod, uh, Omar Vizquel. So you're going to get a lot of heat on a few of these. Number one, you went uh, with the steroid guys. Some of the right. steroid guys. Right. Uh, what's your explanation on that? So that was the first, uh, you know, series of. Uh, By the know. way, I, I'm I'm happy that you put this out there publicly. I think it's yeah. good that you do. I think you know it takes guts to do that, but you know yeah. it's good that you did. And I also think it's okay to engage and kind of explain. Exactly. Your, the problem is. You can explain it, and then you're still going to get called an idiot for the next five hours. Well, here's the thing, man. I'm not going to get overly emotional or fired up about this stuff anymore. I I just don't. And I think everybody should be respected for their opinion. I do, though, like the fact that writers and yourself or voters Mm -hmm. explain. And and we all have an opinion, so fire away. So so the steroid guys are there. Let's do the steroid guys. So for me, I think the first year I was voting, I did not vote for any of those guys. But then... As I, you have to sort of uh, reflect on what is the Hall of Fame? What's the meaning of it? And for me, it's, I've been, and having been there changes your perspective too. I'm sure you've been there. It's this beautiful museum. It's the history of the game. It's the museum that celebrates the history of the game, basically. So for me, you cannot tell uh, the story of the of the of the early 2000s without talking about Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens so it's would absolutely you, impossible so would you put something though on the plaque that says that they uh what 100% now, yeah and i think 
And you know the way they lay them out in the, the plaque yeah. uh, uh, area of sure. the Hall of Fame. You could even have a big sign over it that says the steroid era if you want, if you're going to label other eras, dead ball era. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've been favoring okay. any of that stuff. But it's hard for me to leave those guys off. Barry Bonds, arguably, was one of the top two or three players that ever played. So why not then Sammy Sosa? Be- okay, here we go. Here we- now we get into some of the fine distinctions, and this is good. For me, I look at Sammy Sosa, I look at his numbers, I look at Mark McGuire. McGuire, to me, was a little closer to the Hall of Fame threshold than than Sammy, but neither of those guys is anywhere close based on the numbers other than home runs. And home runs is absolutely the number that is probably most affected by heavy steroid use. So what about then if somebody said to you, but these two guys really helped along with, and I don't think he gets enough credit, it's very simple to say, well, Sosa McGuire brought back baseball. No, what really started it was... Cal Ripken mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. his famous night in breaking Lou Gehrig's streak. To me, that's what really got the ball rolling and the interest back in baseball. And then um, it, it was McGuire and Sosa. So, in again, telling kind of using your, yeah. you know, telling the story of, of baseball, why not those two? That gets me into another criteria that I use. I'm kind of a small hall guy. Okay. And so I, I feel that the, the player has to be transcendent. He has to be dominant in his era. Now, Mark McGuire, obviously, Sammy Sosa in 1998, no question they were dominant. But was Mark McGuire dominant throughout the entire spread of his career? No, because he missed a ton of time when he was young with injuries. You know, later on, he wasn't doing what he had done. It was really a small sort of burst of excitement. And Sammy Sosa, the same thing. Initially, you know, had Sammy Sosa stayed the player he was when he came in, the five-tool player, great outfielder, he might have had a better chance than he does now, but now his only argument is home runs. So I'm kind of going rapid fire here on the crossover. No Kurt Schilling. And he's so close, and normally if you're at the threshold that he's at, he's going to get in. Now, there's been a lot of talk about Mm -hmm. his political views, Mm -hmm. but if you look at the body of work in baseball, um, and obviously his statements about writers is Mm going to hold him out, I think. I don't don't think he's going to get in. Yeah, I don't think so either. I I don't either. So you did not vote for Curt Schilling. I did not vote for Curt Schilling, and and, and is the character clause a factor? Yes. Is it the entirety of it? No. Um, Curt Schilling's regular season stats are absolutely exemplary, and I do recognize he played on a terrible Phillies team for the first part of his career, but they're they're not like shoe-in Hall of Fame stats. Now you say, okay, he has a couple other factors in his favor, one being the tremendous postseason success, right? And that's a huge factor. But on the other hand, there's this other issue of him comparing, you know, a, a religion of a billion people, Islam, to the Nazis. That's not a great thing to do on social media, right? That's not good character necessarily. And I don't think, at least for me, you know, retweeting and laughing over a photo of, um, you know, journalists being lynched, to me, that also speaks to his character. So I, I do take those things into account. So then I got to counter that. And <laughs> you, I think you probably know where I'm going. Omar right. Vizquel has got domestic uh, abuse uh, uh, allegations. Right. Or have they been, I, I don't know what. I don't know what the exact legal term is, but obviously that's out there, and you did vote for him. Yeah, now here's the part. This is the one part Are of the ballot. Are you okay? I'm not, I'm not no, trying no, to put no, you I on trial it. here. Dan, I love it. Okay. I love it. I should be absolutely kind of. Here's the one part of this ballot I might have taken back. I have always voted for Vizquel because I thought, I think that he was a better defender than the numbers now give him credit for. And, and some of that is eyeball test. I watched that Indians team for many years. I was covering the American League, and... So you're leading me into everything. This is perfect. Now keep going. That team's identity, man, they'd mash in anything hit on the ground. Vizquel and and Alomar were going to gobble up. So that's that's who they were. Um, 
I did not see the latest news story involving the Bat Boy in the minor league. So that's on me. I suppose every year I should do a Google News search for every player <laughs> on the ballot, but I did miss that one. I probably would not have voted for Omar Zabriskel had I seen that second incident. So the big one, I would think, here in St. Louis is the omission of Scott Rowland, and I do disagree with that. Mm-hmm. I do think he's a Hall of Famer, um, and I go by eye test because I did the majority of his games. He's the best defensive third baseman I've ever seen, and I'm talking about Nolan Arenado too. Mm-hmm. I want to watch more of Nolan. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. Nolan is ridiculous. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, but right now, the full body of work of what I saw was Scott Rowland. And uh, before the shoulder injuries, you know, sapped some of the, the, the power, the guy was just an amazing player. So I'm, I'm curious and let you explain. Uh, no Scott Rowland on your on your ballot. Yeah, and the, and the part I think that got people really upset on this one was the fact that I did vote for Scott Rowland last year. So he gets a negative one this year when they're sort of analyzing well, And chances. you could go back next year and say, hey, that's right. my guy. And. There's nothing other than I can say about that other than saying I just reconsidered it. And again, I'm a small hall guy. I want to, I want the player to be uh, so you know, the dom- the dominant player, not necessarily the dominant player of his era, but in that discussion, Scott Rowland in his 16 year career never led the league in anything. So anything. then um, as a hitter, did you feel the like defense? You, you're right about. So you, you felt maybe a little hamstrung because you only get ten. Mm-hmm. Some of these guys are coming off the ballot after this year. Clemens, uh, Bonds comes off the ballot, and then next year you you probably go back to rolling. You you felt hamstrung maybe just a little bit. I actually bit. didn't get to ten this year. Okay, so because this was an interesting ballot in that there were a ton of like. So just then why not have them. if you had him on last year and you had one more vote? Why not go with Roland this year? Because I just again I sort of did a little soul searching. For me, I don't. In looking at his numbers, and I was not around him every day, I don't have that, you know, sure. that, that eye test thing. But for me, his offensive numbers are not Hall of Fame numbers. Defensive numbers, while outstanding, is he among the top two or three defensive third basemen of all time? Yes. Maybe. Okay, that's that's a viewpoint. <laughs> yes. I don't think the numbers say that. I think they would probably put Brooks Robinson. Have you Robinson. read uh, Ryan Spader's uh, yeah, Hall he and I have been going back and forth he, on Twitter great. a lot yeah. <laughs> over this exact issue, actually. He, he's great about, and he was specifically at the forefront of helping Tim Raines get in, mm-hmm. then a closer look. at. So he and I would correspond okay. a lot, and, yeah. he, and he would say, what do you think about Larry Walker? I said, it's, it's shameful. The guy's not in. And I said, I saw him compromised, and he still was one of the best players in the game. And then I don't think you can um, – I don't think you can hold a vote back on a player because he played in Colorado. I, I just don't think that that's right. You know, this is the circumstances you're in. And yes, the ball was jumping, but he was a great player both in Colorado and out of Colorado. And then we started talking about Scott Rowland and he started taking like the real analytical new age look at him. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize I just said, look, man, from my eye test, he's the best I've ever seen. I mean, it, it's scary how good he was. And if you would have put him in a shift, he could have played shortstop. He's six foot four, 240 pounds. He's moving better than most shortstops today. I, the guy was awesome. And so I just said, hey, Ryan, from my point of view, I test. He goes, good, that's what I think, mm-hmm. and I'm going to back it up analytically. Mm-hmm. And then he came out with a bunch of different stuff. Um, and I do think it's trending in the direction that Scott Rowland gets in, and maybe even close by next year, maybe even this year. Who knows? Yeah, could could well be. I mean, I think I think they thought that he was going to eventually make. But again, for me, it was, um, you know, if you're going to make it in defensively, I think I think it's a little easier at one of the really premium positions defensively. You just don't get as many chances as at third as right. you do, do it short. So if I think it's easier for a pure defense uh, argument to be made for a shortstop, center fielder, or catcher. And 
You know, you could argue that the combination of defense and offense gets rolling in, but for me, he felt just, and I'm telling you, it is right on the borderline every year. I, I, I just wrestle with it, and I know I'm going to get killed if I don't do it, but I do want to have the integrity of, like, what do I really believe? Sure. Is this guy a Hall of Famer? And for me, he, to, he feels just maybe a tick short. So you're going to have three hours of just getting hammered by the <laughs> uh, the text line here. So okay. enjoy, enjoy right. No, well, you know. Well, I've had I appreciate 15 that you, on Twitter. You know what? <laughs> I appreciate that you come in and explain it. No problem. Which I, I love that I don't like the blank ballot that people turn in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that's right. And I do like that voters explain what they have. And the fact that not only you vote, but you can cut a rug. And we all got uh, <laughs> many, many reports that about I you cutting a rug I at PK's wedding. Saxy, you know I love you, baby. <laughs> You're off the try. You're off the. You're off the stand. <laughs> okay. All right. I survived. I, I that. Twitter was much worse. I thought I was going to be called a moron. No. An idiot. No. Okay. It's just it's people's opinions, man. Yeah. It's all good. I think we all need to remember sometimes, though. These are just sports opinions. Yeah. You know, I, we don't need to hate each other. Right. Just relax. Yeah. It's all good. Take a breath. Enjoy your uh, Tanner and company. Great seeing you, my man. You too, buddy. Yeah. And uh, are you back? You back tomorrow? I'm not back tomorrow. I think, okay. I think there's a different format for this. Okay. Yeah, so. All right. Well, have fun the next three hours, and we'll get together, and happy holidays to you and your family. Will do, my guy. Enjoy the family. Thanks, Tanner. Great job. And we'll talk to everybody, uh, everybody tomorrow at 7. I'll be with uh, Carriker and Smallman. See you then. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.